So it's Stürger against Neuer to potentially seal it for Borchardt! And welcome to the Sound of Football podcast. I'm Graham Sibley, and as ever, I'm joined by Jan Bilton. Hello. And Sarah DeFellin. Hello. Busy day. Busy, busy Monday, isn't it? We've not had time to stop, have we? News is breaking all the time. We've just had to shut the door and say, right, okay, we'll just have to talk about the situation as it stands right now. Today, two of the three people in this conversation, their clubs ended up not having a manager. Well, one's actually got a manager now, so the news goes. Uh, One still has a situation that still needs to be filled. So let's get on with it, because, yeah, big hint, it wasn't Arteta anyway. He's still there. (laughs) So, um, I mean, I know it's not going to be surprising, but, yeah, Sunderland have fired yet another manager. And also, as well, not surprising, Roy has finally been released. He's finally been allowed to leave Palace. Terry, I'll start with you first. Were you surprised by today's news? (laughs) It is the question you have to ask. Uh, I'm afraid it is. I don't know why. There's almost a contractual obligation to ask when I I go, were you surprised? When when, when you know full well the answer is no. Not even the slightest (laughs) bit surprised. Not. Um, Obviously, the circumstances took a, a a darker turn, obviously, on Thursday, because the, the reports were that the successor to, to Roy Hodgson had already been lined up and that he'd agreed and that it was really just a question of timings. And then obviously things went a bit dark on Thursday because Roy Hodgson collapsed on the training ground and had to be taken to hospital. And the reports that I read were that this was a, a very severe, very sudden moment and caused no small amount of distress amongst staff and players who were there and saw it happen. And so... Needless to say, the correct thing to do would be to just put everything on hold while that immediate situation becomes apparent. And happily, it would appear that Roy is okay, okay enough to write his own resignation statement. So um, unless it was drafted for him by a Crystal Palace PR, which would probably be a bit unkind. But we're saying, yeah, it was revealed that that he has stepped down. Even then, there were reports leaking out, basically saying that he's going to step down rather than be sacked. And so that's what's happened. He's stepped down. And then within what, hours, Oliver Glasner has been confirmed as his replacement, as, as was widely expected. Oliver Glasner was photographed at White Hart Lane watching Tottenham because Palace will soon be playing at, at Tottenham. And, and so, you know, people were putting it all together. So yeah, not a surprise, more relief, I would have to say, Graham. Okay, well, we'll get on to the Oliver Glasner chat in a bit. But first, Jan, I hope you're satisfied. I hope the the old hashtag BLL merchant over there spamming our weekend box set <laughs> when you weren't even writing about Sunderland 
uh, I think I even got into a few Spanish previews. <laughs> yes, yes, you did. Yes, 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 you did. And it's obviously worked because someone up there has seen sense and fired the terrible manager that they employed just two months ago. Are you surprised, Jan? <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm not even going to ask that. <laughs> Are you surprised they actually did it? I think that his appointment was so uninspiring and the way that he handled himself. And I've, I've got a certain amount of sympathy for him, if I'm honest with you, because I think that he was he was chucked in to a job that was too big for him. I'm not saying Sunderland is the biggest job in the whole world, but I think just looking at it now, stop laughing at me, the felon. <laughs> is is this mean, a bit of guilt on your I'm part? trying to be measured <laughs> in everything. Sympathy. I've got some sympathy for him. Crocodile He's tears over there, isn't it? calling for his head <laughs> five minutes after the guy was appointed. Uh, yes, yes, that, that, that is true. But they even, if, if, I'll, I'll finish this point, Terry. If well, it I'm kills so you. sorry I killed <laughs> You've got the murderer's remorse, that's what it is. Have, yeah. You just don't want to do the time, that's your trouble. <laughs> this is it. They, this has lost all of its gusto now. <laughs> the, <laughs> sorry. The, um, the, uh, the, the club even said it's been a difficult uh, two months for him, and I think that that is hinting at the fact that I, I just think he just couldn't deal with it. He certainly couldn't deal with a team that was very much Tony Mowbray's. He was very popular amongst the players and amongst the fans. So he came in and he had those two barriers to break down straight away. Um, and his first game in charge was against Coventry, who we, we'd got a decent draw away to early in the season under Mowbray, and we got hammered 3-0 at home. And, uh, you know, just some of the ways that he handled himself in press conferences, uh, it was starting to go down a really bad road. I, I think he wasn't very well advised and coached by whatever media people they've got at Sunderland. He eventually started referring to the fans as outside noise that were getting in the way of his project. And he, and then he started you know, coming up with conspiracy theories that Sunderland just didn't like him because he's got a, a London accent, which isn't the case at all. <laughs> well, it's not 100 percent the reason. <laughs> it's not the reason he was fired, put it that way. No. And then we uh, played Huddersfield last week and it was an awful performance. Um, and then we went away. Ironically, to Tony Mowbray's Birmingham, where, well, Tony put the, the final nail in the coffin, really. But I don't think it was just the result, because Tri Hume is one of uh, our really exciting young players and a real hard-working young player, came off the pitch and it looked like he, well, he did hold his hand out to kind of high-five, if you like, or, you know, touch, pump fists or whatever with the, with the manager. And um, he just got blanked, which he later apologised for, but it, it kind of looked like he did blank him, um, even stepped away from him when the hand was offered. So, I mean, I, I think that having seen that, the fan reaction to that was, as you would imagine, vitriolic. I think he'll probably see it as a bit of a relief to finally be rid of us and, and be away from that. The wrong man at the wrong time at the wrong club, I would say, in summary. Yeah, uh, it's all something that really needs to be forgotten about very, very quickly. But, of course, decisions were made within the club. How much of this falls down onto Christian Speakman, the sporting director there, do you think? A huge amount. I mean, ultimately, if you can employ that kind of model where you've got a director of football in, and he made the decision to pull the trigger with Tony Mowbray. He made the decision to bring in Michael Beale. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of people across the football world were quite stunned that we'd brought him in. Um, you know, his CV was not the best. Mm. And uh, he came in and just was uninspiring himself, not just the appointment. You know, he came in, he just did not exude the confidence level. He didn't seem like he was up for it. He didn't have that kind of bite about him that you would expect. 
Um, he didn't come in, for example, like Tony Mowbray did and, and get the fans on side straight away. You know, bearing in mind, Tony Mowbray, he, he, yeah, he's from the northeast. So is Steve Bruce. But both of those guys came in and got hold of the, the fans. They knew how to communicate with them. And Tony Mowbray being from Middlesbrough as well, and Brucey being from Newcastle, it was that was that's harder for any um, manager coming in being from kind of rival areas, although Middlesbrough's not really a rivalry, as we've covered in this <laughs> podcast. Um, but certainly, him being from London's got nothing to do with it, and I I just think he was he was it just seemed like he was really out of his depth, and the fact he, as I've said, he didn't really handle the press very well, didn't handle the fans very well, and it seems like he he couldn't handle the players very well either. Well, we have to do this, obviously. We do this every time the, a job comes available and no one's yet in line for it. Unfortunately, we couldn't, can't do, do it with Palace because they've gone ahead and been really, really efficient at getting someone in. But uh, I've got the list of the names for the next manager of Sunderland. So, so let's go down them. Okay. You can tell us what you think of these appointments. Now, it looks like it's in pretty much two halves. The ones that are shorter odds are the ones that are sort of the more considered thoughts. And mm-hmm. when you start getting past seven to one, then you get into the more comical areas of Wayne Mooney, Stephen Gerrard, Sam Allardyce return. Now, I don't think that's a comical one at all. I think that's a really good shout. Uh, Roy Keane and Frank Lampard. Um, any of those names that you think are even slightly possible of going to Sunderland this time around? If Frank Lampard becomes Sunderland manager, well, I'm I'm not going to make myself a, a hostage to fortune by, <laughs> by, by promising to do something horrific like wear a Newcastle shirt or something. I mean, I'm not promising to do that. Um, but that, I mean, you, you know, Speakman might as well just pack up his desk and go if he's like this. This is this is my neck. This is how we're going to improve things. But um, Sam Allardyce would be great. I don't think he would. He'd see that as a, a bit of a step down managing in the championship. I think. But you know, he hasn't been a, hasn't done much for a while, has he? He's 69 now. Uh, he hasn't managed since he left Leeds in summer of 23. So, I mean, obviously that was only last summer, but um, so it's about eight months out of work. I don't think he'd go for it. Obviously not Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney needs to... Oh, he's going to be a boxer now, isn't he? So Wayne Rooney's not... Uh, what? He's gonna, <laughs> yeah, Wayne Rooney's going to be a boxer. I, I mean it. I'm, that's not even a joke. I read it in the papers this weekend. Oh my God, this is his midlife crisis, isn't it? He's gone mad. Well, he's, he's only gone... his mid-30s, isn't he? He's got no business having a midlife. He's still a young man. He's got no business having a midlife crisis. What the hell? Mm. Yeah. He Boxing. can't cope with like being out of the spotlight, maybe. Maybe that's the problem. Anyway, we're know. not here to talk about Rain Rooney, but <laughs> perhaps <What>? we should. <laughs> well, Someone needs to intervene. But uh, you know, predictably and, and sadly, boringly, really, that Roy Keane's name has been mentioned. You know, he, he did well for us in his first managerial outing. And he hasn't done anything since. So I think that it would be wrong for him to come back and it'd be wrong for the club. We can't live in that past anymore. It's, that, was a, that was a time and we need to move away from it. Will Still, interesting name, uh, if we can get him away. I mean, I, I think that the issue with him was um, just to do with money, as I understand it. Mike Dodds, who uh, took over in between Mulbrew and uh, Beale. He had three games uh, and won two of them. So, um, yeah, he's well regarded by the fans. I think that they'll just put the team in his hands um, for the foreseeable future, probably till the end of the season, I would think, and then do something proper over the the summer when they haven't got a gun to their head, really. I think that's the best thing they can do. Uh, Steve Cooper and Paul Hackingbottom are there, done very well in the championship. 
they would be good picks whether or not they'd want to go back to the championship well i mean i don't think heckingbottom would have much of a choice i don't think a premier league side's going to be picking up any time soon mm. there's a couple of outside ones like kim helberg and michael duff they must be linked already. Kim Helberg was linked last time. Yeah. So that's probably why that is. I mean, you know, these journalists and bookies only have to dust off their notes from two months ago. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, but I, I would say one thing in um, Speakman's defence, at least he had the guts to admit that he's made a mistake, he even said that in the press uh, release and he's pulled the trigger early, um, which is exactly what they should have done. Uh, that would have been a lot worse, I think, for everyone involved if we would let this limp on any longer. You know, it's good to admit, admit you've made a mistake, even if it's only a few months in, and just get out. Well, the last time we had this conversation, when both Palace and Sunderland, their managerial positions both became available on the same day, was at the end of the season uh, in 2017. Now, on that day, Allardyce left Palace and Moyes left Sunderland. Now, Terry, who was the guy who replaced Allardyce? Frank De Boer. A coach from the continent. Yes. And our first appointment of a coach from the continent. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Palace being a very, very parochial football club, traditionally. Uh, not appointing foreign coaches. Yeah. Not holding with them, generally speaking. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But that went terribly badly. It was just an absolute disaster. And I thought we were going to get relegated. And then we got Roy Hodgson in. And then everything changed. <laughs> yeah. We have had a, a continental manager since then. And yes. it wasn't all bad under Patrick Vieira. It actually started off really well. That's one way of looking at it, yeah. It wasn't all bad under Conor Gallagher, and then he left. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably more like it, wasn't it? That, really? I think that's actually what happened, Yeah, <laughs> if I'm being honest. So come on then, let's talk about Oliver Glasner then, and why this foreign manager is actually going to be a decent appointment. I think it's a good fit for the way that Crystal Palace play. Hodgeball is uh, notoriously very tight, very defensively orientated. He doesn't play exactly Hodgeball, but he does set up the teams defensively very, very strongly indeed. Those are his initial principles. And when he's got quality defenders, and we, there are quality defenders there, you know, Terek Mitchell, the two centre-backs, Gahey and Anderson. I think that that's the makings of a good, solid defensive unit. I think Gahey might be injured at the moment, but if that can work out, there's some value there. I think he can work with players like Chris Richards, who is actually a solid player, who's just he's either been playing defensive midfielder or playing centre half and needs a I think a role. And I think that he'll 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 work well with them. He's also done some good work with some, I would suggest better than average, but not quite top draw strikers. He turned Randall Kolomwani into a top striker at Eintracht Frankfurt. And Valt Weghorst's best years as a player were in the two seasons that he was at Wolfsburg under Oliver Glasner. And he got Wolfsburg into the Champions League in two seasons. And of course, he won the Europa League with Eintracht Frankfurt as well. Lifting two clubs that were resolute, really resolute mid-table Bundesliga clubs and then lifting them to quite significant heights without necessarily spending a huge amount of money, but utilising the talent that he had available. So I think it's a very, as an eminently practical appointment. And I, obviously, as I'm sure listeners know, my relationship with the Bundesliga, I'm extremely excited that the prospect of a Bundesliga coach coming to Crystal Palace. Uh, and I'm extremely excited by the fact that it's Glasner, because I think that, you know, I think that that's the right kind of fit. I mean, he's, he's not a big time Charlie. 
I think he'll be very suitably Austrian and dour about the whole thing. And I think that that will be a good fit as well. So I'm really very happy that this has happened, although obviously I'm I'm disappointed that Roy's had to go under these circumstances. He should never have been hired to begin with, to be honest with you. But but I'm really excited and, and looking forward to seeing what he does. Yeah, it does seem like a very positive step and uh, a very progressive step for Palace, which mm. isn't really something you associate with Palace, is it really? Not me, no. <laughs> the interesting thing about it is, is that the recommendation comes from John Textor, who is one of the co-owners of the club. It's not come from Steve Parrish. Uh, I believe I've said on numerous occasions that I've, I've not been a big fan of Steve Parrish's um, recruitment process when it comes to head coaches and managers for Crystal Palace. But I think that this is a sensible choice. Now, John Texter, of course, as we've discussed fairly recently, is now the full owner of Lyon and, and look, look what's been going on there. Yeah. So whether or not this is actually you know, the best advice, well, my feeling is, is that it's a good call to make. And yes, as you say, something of a progressive move by the club. And yeah, I, I certainly feel as if we've got enough to get out of this situation and get the points that we need to get. But what I'm interested in in seeing is, you know, he's been out of work for a while. And for a guy who is a recent Europa League winner and a recent Champions League club manager, I'm a bit puzzled as to why that's been. And my assumption is, is that he's been waiting for the right project. And so I'm asking myself, in what world is Crystal Palace the right project? Because, you know, the club's kind of in this state of paralysis. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a great deal of, of activity from an initiative coming from the owners. I won't go into the details. Just listen to the last time I spoke about Palace. Club's dealing with, like, getting its facilities upgraded. It's at a point where you're sort of thinking, well, has he been given guarantees that money will be available to refresh the squad in the summer, which I can only hope and assume that that's what's happened. That Glasner's taken the job because he knows that he's going to be uh, given the opportunity to have a say in, in refreshing the squad, and the squad does need refreshing quite urgently. So, I mean, I've been saying that for the last three years, to be fair. So we'll see where, where that is. I, I choose to be optimistic and say he's taken the job. The reason why he's taken the job is because he's been given those assurances. And that is a good thing. That's good news for Palace fans. It shows that the club's hopefully going to make some signings. But you know, we, we won't know that until that comes. So that's the only slight concern that I have about his appointment. But beyond that, as pleased as I think any Palace fan could be at this point. I know his name was mentioned uh, last week, uh, even when they were talking about a replacement for Roy, and it did seem far, far, far too sensible <laughs> for Palace. So I, I did take it with a large pinch of salt. I didn't want to like write about it, and just in case uh, like someone would mock me and say, "Oh, you can't believe that'll rot." I'm the same. I mean, I just thought I really, I had names like Lopetegui being mentioned, which I thought was a bit of a stretch, but I thought that I could see that happening. Obviously, you all know about my rather pathetic fantasies about Jose Mourinho, but that's exactly what they are. I heard Glasner's name was mentioned, but I just thought, well, why? Why would he come? But it is important to remember that Crystal Palace are a long-standing Premier League football club, and the Premier League is one of the most high-profile leagues in the world. Managers would want to manage there. Um, but just as I say, with the provisor, that as long as his motives and his reasons, his reasonings behind it are sound, then it, it, sh it should be a good and sensible appointment. Yeah, but Jan, Jan, we all know that Jose is going to Bayern now, isn't he? 
Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. In in serious news, though, um, it's it's an interesting um, time for him to join. Obviously, he I'd imagine he'd be watching the game tonight, Horny, uh, whether he's there in person. But his first game in charge is at home against Burnley, and obviously playing Everton tonight as well. So those two games need to go in a positive direction, given where Palace are in the league. So totally, yeah. I, I, I genuinely want to see him do well. I think it, it is. I, I echo completely what you guys are saying about being a positive appointment. I just really hope it doesn't end up that he's in a firefight straight away. So hopefully they can get a, a result against Everton tonight and a comfortable win at Burnley, at home to Burnley, sorry. Um, and then it can be a bit of a carnival on Saturday in South London. Yes, indeed. Well, uh, I can only agree with you that there'll be an absolute shit fest if we lose at home to Burnley because they is awful. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously he'll be, I assume that there'll be cutaways to um, Oliver Glasner sitting next to Steve Parrish uh, in the stands of Goodison Park this evening. Poor old Mark Bright. He's probably kicked to the curb. Say, so, get out. Oliver sits there. <laughs> Come and sit next to me, Oliver, because then there's the sky. The sky camera's there. So, you know, whenever I give you the signal, you turn around to me and say something and I'll go, hmm, yes, quite right. And then, you know, we'll look like we know what we're doing. Uh, you know how it works with these things when new managers get appointment appointed just before the, ne- the next game. So, uh, yeah, he'll be standing there looking sage, I'm sure. Uh, but, yeah, the real test comes through the Burnley game and then there's not much time to prepare for that at all. But, uh, yeah. Oh God, that could be awful. Sorry, I, I don't Already mean to. Already terrified. I don't, I don't mean to rain on your parade. <laughs> um, That's it. All of my positivity. Yes, I feel like I've just sucked the joy out of the pod. I'm now <laughs> shitting myself that we're going to lose to Burnley. One thing we do need to know, and the listeners at home need to know, uh, is Glasner a skinny jeans and roll neck sweater manager? No, no, he, he does. He is partial to some skinny jeans, but he like he tends to wear shirts. Okay. Um, rather than rather than roll necks. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I would suggest that it'll be kitted out in in Premier League trackies, as as otherwise I'm sure the sponsors and the kit um, the kit manager will be unhappy if he doesn't. There you go, listeners. Always here for the most important content for you. What it is? Well, in many ways, this is more important than anything else. Yeah. It's an area we could speak with authority on as well. So, <laughs> Well, we do have to talk about the fact that Bayern, I did mention just briefly there, are in a bit of a meltdown at the moment because they keep losing games. And um, We had a good laugh last week, didn't we, about the fact that the curse of Kane is actually stronger than the curse of Leverkusen. But Terry, it just seems to be the way now, isn't it? They lost to Lazio in the Champions League in midweek. And then yesterday, in an often interrupted game, they lost to Bochum. Bochum 3-1. Um, and now Bochum's a difficult place to go. I think Bochum have only lost once at home, I think, all season. So it's not that much of a shock, but it is a bit of a shock, isn't it? It's a bit of a shock. They lost there a couple of seasons ago, I think, at Bochum. And that was a major shock because they were really good back then. But generally speaking, yeah, you'd expect... Everyone would just be expecting a Bayern bounce back. But do you know what? And I, I know I'm, gonna, I, I'm tooting my own horn here, but I should have put a bit of money on that because after I watched the Rutgers game and I watched the Lazio game, I thought this is pretty dreadful. They are not going to be in good shape. The last thing, the last place, one of the last places you want to go to when your wheels are falling off is Bochum because they'll be happy to give them a good old kick and send them down the hill. Um, you know, the, the, the best result, the best outcome, the, be- 
the best the best fixture for, for Bayern would have been to go to Dortmund. Dortmund would have happily rolled over and given them a confidence boosting five nil win or something like that. <laughs> but it was really quite extraordinary that game against Lazio. And of course Upamakano sent off against Lazio, sent off again against Bochum. I don't know what's going on with that guy. A massive crisis of confidence with him. And there's big problems going on there. Uh, it, so it is obviously, it is a shock. It is a surprise. But it's a, it's a qualified surprise. Because again, as you say, Graham, Bochum. No one likes to go there. Tough place to go. Ian, Tuchel, obviously famous for being a prickly customer. The fans hate him right now. So is he going to last the rest of the season, do you think? Well, if he continues with this form, no. I mean, I think the expectation is if you take the Bayern job, the minimum achievement is that you win the league. Yeah. And as it stands, he's not going to do that. You're right, he is prickly. And when the chips are down, he tends to lash out, doesn't he? So it'll be interesting to see how, how he goes. You know, it, Someone's going to have to have a conversation with him and say, things need to get better, Thomas. And his reaction to that is probably going to be, animated I would suggest <laughs> because as we said last time I think when he was appointed at Bayern um, I know when he was when he left uh, Chelsea wasn't it we went through a list of all the clubs it was just on the Wikipedia entry wasn't it and it yeah. said he, he had he left because he had <laughs> issues um, with with the upper management he had issues with the board level he had fallen out with the fans so you know he's got form when it comes to falling out with people I don't think he really cares I think if when he gets to the point where he's going well you know I'm not enjoying it here anymore. I'm just going to kick off. So, um, yeah, it couldn't happen to a nicer bloke. He's not, it doesn't seem like a very nice man, does he? You wouldn't want to invite him around for Christmas, would you? Terry, do you think Carl Hines is going to put his arm around Thomas Tickle's shoulder and say, look, it's all right, mate. Don't worry. It's, it's okay. This is Bayern. We fail together here. <laughs> yeah, not if he wants to keep that arm of his. No, I don't think he will. <laughs> Forgive me if I've said this before in the past, but he's turning into another Mourinho in that he's the guy who brings you stuff. They ends up chairlifting him around the pitch saying, thank you, Thomas Tickle. And then they deposit him outside the stadium because they've had enough of him after a couple of seasons because he just winds people up. I think that this is a significant issue that Thomas Tuchel needs to address because he's running out of elite clubs to fuck off and he can't keep going back round in circles. And nothing's out of the question at this point. I think the only issue really is with Thomas Tuchel is, is, is who is a likely successor for Thomas Tuchel to take on from now till the end of the season. Um, I know that they want, they do. I mean, they'll want Xavi Alonso. Of course they will. I think it would be brazen, even by Bayern standards, to try and get him now. I mean, they're capable of it, but it would demonstrate the profound lack of sportsmanship that that club has when it comes to competing. In many ways, Bayern are a fine club and a great institution, but, but they've got no qualms about destabilising their opposition by signing their best players, or in this case, by signing their coach. But I'd be very surprised if Xavi Alonso were to be to leave Leverkusen under any circumstances at this point. But, I mean, it's Germany and stranger things have happened and it's Bayern. So I think it really is whether Tuchel stays or goes depends entirely upon whether or not there's somebody waiting in the wings. I wonder who that could be. Mm. Um, give it to Jose to the end of the season. <laughs> you think about <laughs> it. How do you say that in German? <laughs> give, it give it Jose to the end of the season. You've got to say it like that as well. Yeah. There's got to be a name for these type of managers now, isn't it? It's not like your firefighters, your Red Adair types. These are your annoying gits. 
It used to just be Jose, but then, then Thomas Tuchel is now in that group. And, of course, you've got Antonio Conte as well, another one like that. <laughs> I, I wonder if you can see uh, – can, can we can we name any more like that? Or can we look ahead and say, yeah, that's where you're going. That's where your career is yeah. going. I think Arteta's got potential for that. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good I call. I think once he gets on the circuit, once he leaves Arsenal and goes somewhere else, he'll be – every two years he'll be going to – if yeah. he's lucky. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Lopetegui's a bit like that, only not as high profile and he hasn't yeah. done quite as much. Yeah. But I mean, Arteta, no, that's his passion. But Arsenal is his passion. Yeah. And I think that that is his life's work and everything else will be just a job <laughs> after that. That will be, the, if he could do something, if he can get, if he could win the league with Arsenal, I think that that will be his, his moment. And even if he goes on and has a glittering career, I suspect it will be, it'll be, he'll be, he'll be much more of a mercenary than that. And I guess what these guys are, they're, they're mercenary coaches. They turn up, they do a job for which they are paid for a very short space of time and they expect to be fired. Um, <laughs> and it, it, I, w- I would imagine. I mean, apparently Jose did have a lot of love for Rome and Roma and yeah. wanted and did want to extend his contract. <laughs> but possibly he was fired a couple of weeks later, so he probably knew what was happening. So he was just saying stuff. But, you know, he didn't have too many nice things to say about the players as he left, but then that's Jose. In all seriousness, I think that if they are going to get rid of Tuchel, then they could actually do worse than get Jose in. Yeah. Because I, mean, I still think he is, you know, in a, in a pinch. I think he'll, he'll be able to come in and rally them. And, and you never know, maybe turn things around. But yeah, it, we are now at a point where Leverkusen need to blow this. Yeah. Rather than Bayern winning it, which of course can be done. is entirely possible. I think with Jose, when he went to Rome, I think it was, it was a, a perfect appointment for him. Because when he left Italy in 2010, Obviously, he'd won everything. He was king of the world and was going to go and win everything everywhere else as well. But when he returned to Italy after Tottenham and Man United, his stock had, I wouldn't say rock bottom, but it had certainly been dented. And they welcomed in him and and he was rehabilitated there. Of course, it never lasts because it's Jose. Jan, can you see Jose in Lederhosen? It's not an image that crosses my mind too often, Graham. Isn't it? Are you <laughs> sure? Actually, more often than you would think. Um, I uh, Well, I think that would be the wrong move for a, a club like Bayern. Just feels like they're too establishment to go for someone like that. He's, you know, I think his stock's down and they would be looking for somebody who's going to take them on if they're going to do something. I think they would probably hold on to Tuchel till the end of the season. And then you might find them throwing flipping great wadges of cash at Jurgen Klopp. Uh, to try and persuade him because he that's the smart move but he you know he's committed to taking time out hasn't he he's he's he's, I'd be astonished if that happened oh yeah yeah me too but it seems like a logical thing if you're if you're if you're you know the the president or the chairman of Bayern you'd be looking at someone decent and the best German manager at the moment is Klopp I'm not certain that the Bayern fans would accept Klopp, and I'm not certain that there were people within the club that would accept Klopp. He really? has, he has said things about Bayern that he would need to walk back from um, <laughs> when he was at Dortmund. Um, you know, there's history, uh, and I think he has said that he wouldn't manage Bayern. Mm. Um, so I may be wrong about that, but I'm pretty certain that he said he wouldn't manage Bayern. By the numbers, Jan, you're absolutely right. He is the best German coach in the business. But I think that an awful lot would need to be said and unsaid in order for Klopp to take that position. And I, I guess he would also have to ask himself whether he needs that at this point in his career. I think that there's a possibility that Bayern are now going into a period of decline. 
declined by buying standards being, I don't know, top four for a few years, because there needs to be some changes at the top. They tried to make changes at the top. It failed. They brought the old guard back for the time being. It's not really helping. It's starting to unravel or it's in danger of unraveling. And so they will need some time, a period of transition to be able to work through that. And they'll need to appoint a coach accordingly who will be able to help them with that. And that's going to be a tough one to do. They need to also acknowledge that this is something that's happening to them. And that also is a challenge. I think you're right. Yeah. And I, I think Tuchel will probably end up staying by dint of the fact that there isn't really anybody else. But where I disagree with your analysis is that I think that they will probably find someone and they might find someone a bit younger. I think for them, the ideal choice would be Xabi Alonso because of his connection with the club and also because he's a very good coach. And also he's got the best out of a decent Leverkusen side. But, you know, he's introduced a wholesale mentality change there at that club or is in the process of doing so. And I think that's probably what's required. I think actually it'd be an excellent fit for Bayern Munich, probably better than a, a fit at Liverpool because there's not much going wrong at Liverpool. But I think Xabi Alonso would be an excellent fit. Well, well of course, Jürgen Klinsmann's not doing anything at the moment, is he? <laughs> now, I believe we'd all want to see that. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Jürgen Klinsmann, Klinsy fired from South Korea. Yes. <laughs> Now, it wasn't too long ago that Thomas Tuchel was a manager in the Premier League at Chelsea, and he had two finals in one season, him and uh, Jurgen Klopp. Two occasions they went uh, head-to-head at Wembley, and they were two of the worst finals in living memory, weren't they? The League Cup final and the FA Cup final both ended up nil-nil, both went to penalty shootouts. And this weekend, we've got another Chelsea-Liverpool final at Wembley with the League Cup. Yeah, this one's going to be another horror show, isn't it? It's going to be terrible, isn't it? Or is it going to be better now because Tuchel isn't there to stink it up? <laughs> I think the latter, definitely. <laughs> um, he's he's too busy stinking up Bavaria, isn't he? Uh, no, I think it's, uh, it, you know, Chelsea need to get something out of their season because yeah. at the moment it's looking good, like it's going to be pretty barren. And of course, Liverpool want to finish on top so they can get as many trophies for Jürgen before he departs. So I, I think it's going to be a well-contested game and I expect Liverpool to win it. Nil-nil penalty shootout again, isn't it? It's happening, yes. It's, it it's happening. totally happening now. Totally happening. No, no that's, going to be, that's going to be a humding of that game. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be because Chelsea bring the chaos. I think that that's going to be a lively game of football. And uh, Liverpool have got some big-ass games coming up after that, so they might have to keep their powder slightly dry. Mm, yeah, they do. Well, that's on Sunday afternoon, and it will be, of course, in the box set. Bayern Leipzig is going to be on Saturday afternoon. Uh, hopefully, they'll get it done quite quickly as well, because we've got MLSs kicking off afterwards with Columbus Crew and Atlanta United. But games in Germany are taking about two and a half, three hours to actually finish at the moment, aren't they, Terry? <laughs> Yes, they are, because the uh, fans are stepping up uh, their campaign to disrupt matches and delay proceedings. The Freiburg game yesterday was delayed twice. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think a couple of times more than that for the Balkan game, Balkan Bayern game. Uh, yeah, so it could well be a long, uh, a long evening. One of the uh, um, investors who want to, uh, want to invest in the DFB has pulled out last week. So it's worked. Black. Blackstone. Mm. Yeah, obviously they didn't say they were putting up because of the protest. They were saying they were putting up because you know, it was fit. But, um, you know, mm. people, it, it, that, something like that only emboldens the protesters. And um, 
I think that they're going to win this one. Yeah, sounds good. Did you see the protest? I think it was Rostock versus um, Hamburg, and they put two big remote control cars. And they had the uh, they had flares coming off them, so it was smoke going everywhere. One was blue, one was white, <laughs> no, and they were no. just driving them around the place. It was absolute chaos. I've not seen that. I've seen the one at Cologne. Cologne, but, but that, no, yeah. that line uh, that, that was fair. absolutely brilliant. Oh, because man. obviously, with with tennis balls and chocolate coins, you just go around picking them up. <laughs> when you got yeah. cars racing around the pitch, <laughs> it's brilliant. But we're going to start the weekend with a couple of championship games, Jan. Uh, Leeds versus Leicester and Hull versus West Brom. You're doing both of those for the box set couple of crackers aren't they yeah i think so yeah i mean uh leads aren't gonna catch leicester but they need to get the points to solidify their, their second place so um so that's going to be good yeah and west brom are in fifth at the moment and they need to hold on to that hole or only a point behind <laughs> but they are three places behind because it's mad in the championship so yeah another great game it's as is usual with the championship the run-in for it is just going to be crazy it always is uh, and it's it's always worth a watch yeah, I was looking at the table just earlier and I looked, I think it's where, where Cardiff is. I think the point between Middlesbrough and Cardiff, and I think everyone up from there has got maybe vague ideas of being able to make a late run for the playoffs. And everyone below there is sort of thinking, well, if we don't get results sooner or later, they could get sucked into a, a relegation scrap. So even at this stage of the season, it's all to play for everywhere in the, in the championship. So that's why we've got two games in there. And if you want to see what we think of those games, then well, subscribe to the Weekend Box Set. And you do that by getting on to sofpodcast.com, clicking on the link for the Weekend Box Set, and subscribe. And then it will be in your inbox on Friday lunchtime. Whatever happens over the next week, we're getting to the stage of the season now where everything is so important right now. So yeah, by this time next week, there'll be another half a dozen sackings that we'll have to talk about. And Thomas Tuchel will still be in the job at Bayern, I'm sure. If not, Clumsy will be there. But that's all we have time for this week. So from me, Graham Sibley, from Jan Bilton, and from Terry Spiller, it's goodbye. 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 We are at Sound of Football on X, Blue Sky, and Instagram, so feel free to get in touch there or head to our website sofpodcast.com Don't forget to rate and review us. I'm a slight thinking that I'm getting a cold but I'm just trying to think positive warm thoughts and trying to make sure that that doesn't happen. Sleep in a hat. Sleep in a hat. Yes. Okay. I don't mean like a trilby or something like (laughs) Like a homburg or something like that. (laughs) Or a bearskin. Well, I I don't know. um, (laughs) Well, well, no, but apparently, well, I I sleep in a house. It's just a thermal thing. It doesn't kill the virus or anything. It just helps with keeping your head warm, um, which is supposed to be good for nasal bits and bobs. Is it tinfoil? Yes. Okay. It is 10-4. David Icke told me about it. <laughs>